I, I know that you're quick to give credit to the athletes, which was a large part, undoubtedly, of these teams' success. What do you think that you applied, though, to these kids? How do you think you coached that maybe helped the whole process as well? Oh, I don't know. It's kind of humbling. You hear people say, you know, that, you know, how much it is because of coaching. And if you have high expectations and consistently communicate that, even if they fall short, they're going to do pretty good. Like mm-hmm. that second year of uh, coaching basketball, hey, we were gunning for conference championship. Well, we didn't quite get it. We got second. Mm-hmm. El Paso beat us a couple times, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, you know, just trying to push people. And I think that was really what uh, what was ingrained in us back in Shanoa, junior high, even if you didn't win, you always gave your best. Yeah. And you you have high aspirations and you let the chips fall. Hello and welcome to the Paul Garcia Show, a show about the remarkable people of Central Illinois. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I invite you to join me as I speak with these individuals about their stories, the lessons they've learned, and the knowledge they've gained along the way. Tune in every Sunday to witness the power of bringing each new individual's unique journey into the spotlight. Dan Gross, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. It's an honor to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about doing this and uh, answering your questions and uh, talking to everyone. Awesome, and it is my pleasure. So I'd just like to start things off by saying that you kind of made local headlines this year when you announced your retirement from the position of a principal at Chinoa Primary West Elementary School. Before all that, though, you had a long and great history of being a teacher, an administrator, and, of course, a coach. You were a phenomenal athlete at Chinoa High School, and that's kind of where I'd like to start. What was it like growing up in small-town Chinoa in the mid-'70s and early-'80s? Well, it was, it was fun growing up in Chinoa, and you reflect back on things... Um, I do it just about every day, you know, since I said that I was going to retire. And um, Chinoa was great. We had a movie theater. It was the end of the baby boomer era. We could field all kinds of teams in Little League. And, um, you know, we had intramural programs growing up. We had we had great coaches in high school, but we also had great coaches in junior high. Mm-hmm. Norb Zubek, who the baseball field's named after, um, was the baseball coach, um, had Keith Salems in junior high basketball. We had Bob Emery as a junior high track coach. Um, Roger Clemens, who was a principal at the high school, also did uh, a flag football intramural. The town of Shinoa, when I, maybe I'm just talking to people that love Shinoa and grew up there as well, mm-hmm. but it seems like it was kind of a, a pop in place when you were younger. You just said oh, sure. that they had a movie theater, sure. but that's a small town. That's not really typical of small towns like that. Even when I graduated in 1980, um, a lot of the buildings are gone now, but every building was had a business in it. We had men's clothing stores, there were women's clothing stores. Um, it was just uh, a lot of activity. I've seen video footage of uh, one of the parades in Shinoa during the 70s. It was a different <laughs> yeah. world, to be quite honest with you. I mean, sure. like you said, each building in downtown Shinoa 
had had was full had sure. a business in it yes you know i just i really think probably it was less than a week after i got my driver's license and that was in 1978 that the interstate opened up Ooh. and when the interstate opened and it went around Chinoa, I really feel is that was kind of the beginning of the end of that. Really? Just, just because before it would go uh, right beside the family restaurant and people would pull off to get gas. You're talking about Chinoa. Highway 24 and Old 66 and stuff? Correct. Okay. Um, so when I was 16, that's when I-55 opened up. I mean, it was a matter of days. Wow. So, you know, the, the business started going around Chinoa at that time. It didn't go through it anymore. That really makes perfect sense. It's hard to imagine Chinoa without the interstate right next to it. Mm -hmm. I can remember my dad telling me uh, stories where he would dirt bike on the huge mounds of dirt <laughs> that they were using to build the interstate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. What what was the culture of Chinoa like, though? Because it seems like it was a very sports-heavy town. Am I correct in that at all? Well, I think it was, but really, there were enough students, talented students. Um, I, I went with uh, um, doctors, went to school with doctors, uh, um, people high up in the insurance field. Um, there were just a lot of talented people, so... Um, everything that was produced by the high school faculty was really pretty good. Mm -hmm. So so growing up, it mm -hmm. seems like you were a relatively good athlete from a young age. And I've always wanted to ask you this because I don't know if it's exactly true. And I can't find the records on the IESA website. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you win the 100-meter dash as an eighth grader? Oh, I got second. I got second. Second in the 100 and the 220. It, it wasn't even the 100 meters at that time. I'm so old, it was the 100-yard dash and the 220-yard <laughs> dash. And um, Dan, Dan Carranza, myself, Jim Landers, and Bob Shope were on a relay that got third. It was really? a medley. I, I started off with the 200. Um, Bob and Jim Landers ran um, 110. And then Dan ran the quarter a 440, and that was the relay. And this was in junior high at the state this, track this meet? This was at the state track meet, yes. And interestingly wow. enough, back in my time, they called them lightweights and heavyweights. I, I can't even really tell you how they used to go. It was, I think it was a combination of weight and height, and that's how they got lightweights and heavyweights. Um, but we were pretty young and, of course, pretty short. I've stayed there. Mm -hmm. um, and height-wise, so we were lightweights. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we, we could compete pretty well. We were eighth graders competing wow. in the lightweights. It's so weird. So the yeah. junior high state track meet was divided up by these lightweights? By size. That's by size. so interesting. So it's not mm -hmm. just plain old seventh grade and eighth grade. Correct. It was size. It was probably about, um, I think what they did, I can remember getting measured. For for to see if you were a lightweight or heavyweight. That's crazy. You know, you'd, you'd lay down this board, you know, <laughs> and you'd kind of. You, you, I knew it, we all knew it was a stake. I, I didn't really cheat, but I didn't really stretch myself out either, you uh -huh. know, because uh, I knew that if you went heavyweights, not only are you going to be going against a lot bigger, probably more mature people, but um, um, a lot older too. So very interesting. 
We are brought to you by Once and Again in Pontiac and Fairbury. Once and Again is a remarkable resale shop that sells and consigns pre-owned name brand clothing and shoes for your entire family. This year they celebrate 20 years of business serving our local community and beyond. Once and Again also has a great selection of pre-owned authentic designer handbags without the designer price tag. Once and Again has an ever-changing inventory of name brands and their spacious locations in both Fairbury and Pontiac. Along with their tag color clearance system, shopper rewards, and other promotions, they have prices that will fit any budget. Once and Again is open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And you can shop online, too, at onceandagain.com. That's O-N-C-E, the letter N, A-G-A-I-N, dot com. For more information about consignment or brands or for directions to their stores, you can again visit onceandagain.com. That's letter N, not the word and. Once again, that's once and again, a consignment and resale shop located in Fairbury and Pontiac, Illinois. So during your junior high days, before high school, where was your mind at during all this? What kind of kid were you? What were your interests? <laughs> good, good question there. Um, <laughs> I, I would have to say that uh, um, the behavior of our students probably now is much better than than mine back in the day but uh we did a lot of honorary things you know but uh um it didn't nothing to really hurt anybody we just put a lot exactly. of honorary stunts you know and uh, everybody had a good time and mm -hmm. um so it was fun i've i, I kind of like kids this this might sound funny i think that kids can be ornery as long as they're moral. Just like you said, not yeah. hurting anyone. You can get into some trouble, you know, pull some right. pranks. As long as you're not humiliating someone, being a bully, I think yeah. it's kind of okay. Yeah, you know, I, I I hope I didn't. You know, I'm sure I probably crossed the line doing that, but uh, I hope I didn't. It, I didn't uh, I didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. We were just kind of ornery and had fun. I, I can remember, I think it was in seventh grade, I, we were shooting... Uh, paper wads through one of those, uh, the big pens, you know, you take the, the pen out, and so you're shooting paper wads through there, and mm -hmm. Mrs. Ferguson caught me, and uh, so about the last three weeks of the school year, I had to shoot paper wads in a can um, during recess, so I got pretty good <laughs> at it, you know. Wait, that was I your got, punishment? You I, had yes, to... <laughs> yes, that was my punishment, so I got pretty good at it for next year, you know. <laughs> Did you My ever aim, aim was good? Did you ever get spanked or anything during <laughs> oh, yeah. school? Oh, sure. Really? Yes. And really uh um pro a close friend and mentor name was Tom Cronus and he's the one that got me into administration. I got my my masters in adapted PE working with uh, um students with disabilities and then uh he hired me and but yeah, he, he put the wood to me uh, um, not too often. Um, I put the wood to you? You mean they took a wood paddle to your oh, butt? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> they have yeah. to just grab your ankles and say, here. <laughs> put them on a desk. Put them on a desk. Empty out your back pockets. Put them on a desk and whammo. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to come and I was throwing snow in class. <laughs> throwing snow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the, it was a, in the room was in a basement and... Of course, there was a door that led out of the basement, and so mm -hmm. I, I just stepped out the door, and on the ledge of the steps, I was getting snow, and 
throwing it in the classroom, and <laughs> the teacher walked in. You know, I guess I have to blame the teacher because the teacher walked out, and that <laughs> gave me my window of opportunity. And right in mid-flight, he came back in. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I got to uh, visit Tom. So what was high school then like for you? You said that you mostly got into trouble when you were a kid. Did you have kind of a mindset switch coming into high school because you were a good athlete? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it, it, it escalated. Uh, we really? Went, oh, totally. Uh, we uh, had some great, great, uh, great times. I don't think anybody had more fun than I did at Chenot High School. It was, it was really fun. Most important thing, of course, Probably it was sports, mm. but uh, I really didn't uh, like studying that much. You know, it was um, it, that was not a priority at, at the time. And as much as I I try to stress it now, mm -hmm. you know, really I got lucky. How I got lucky, I don't know because I've been able to do um, this for thirty four years, and I coached a few years while I was going to college, and. Um, you know, it's been great, and um, that's why I try to stress to them it doesn't matter whether they go to college or a trade school or something to get themselves to a position where they feel as though they don't have to work hmm. and they can enjoy every day that they go to school. And um, I really don't remember, I really can't, um, of course, I couldn't sleep in, but. I don't really remember dreading a day to go to school. It's always mm -hmm. been fun and uh, um, had, a, had a great time working with the kids. And that's what kids need to prepare themselves for. You said sports were probably the most important thing in your sure. life when you were yeah. in high school. Oh, yeah. What, what was the pecking order of sports? Because you were quick in track, but then there was football or was it football was first? Well, I, I don't know. Um, Really, I, I loved every sport, and probably for me, the, the, the funnest was basketball, but um, obviously, I wasn't going to make too huge of an impact with my height, uh, you know, in, in basketball. I could shoot, but I wasn't a great ball handler, but uh, um, of course, we started out every year with, with football, and mm -hmm. of course, when you start talking about, you know, high school football, yeah, um, you talk about Ed Thomas, and... Um, his assistant first year was was George Kreidner, and um, we had um, we well we won the conference when I was a freshman. Um, had a great running back by the name of David Roach. Um, Tim Jolly still in Chinoa played on the team, and he was he was our best lineman. And I was just returning kicks when I was a sophomore, and as odd as it sounds. I broke my leg playing wiffle ball in PE. I, it was Jeez. a force out. It was a force out at uh, third base, and the person threw the ball, and the runner came in, went right on the outside of my leg. So the oh my. The, the, the fibula cracked. Um, I tried playing football for about a week and a half more, and um, you know it just got to be. It continued to hurt, so I got an x-ray, and sure enough, it was cracked. So then that year was over, and basketball came around again, played. Baseball came along again. We won the regional. We beat U High in the regional. 
went just a little bit in track because, see, at the time... That's what I'm saying. Nobody, I'm like, when is the well, track part going to come up? Well, if you... Back in the day, it was hard to do both. Yeah. So they made some provisions later on. Um, I was in, like, the conference. They used to have a Fresh South conference meet and track and a conference meet. So really, I went to about two or three track meets as a sophomore. We are brought to you by Fairberry Furniture. Fairberry Furniture is the area's favorite furniture store. Their selection is huge, their staff is helpful and friendly, and they have all of your favorite brands of mattresses, tables, chairs, recliners, couches, and basically all furniture items. So make your home comfy, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairberry's own Fairberry Furniture. Track was just kind of a sideline and... Um we one night we'd play baseball. The next night we'd go to a track meet. Just yeah. bounce back and forth. It's and funny that you say it was just kind of on the sidelines track because yeah. if I understand correctly, and you just correct me if I'm wrong, you won the you were the conference champion in the 100 meter, 200 meter, and 400 meter dash your senior year. Yep, that yeah. sounds like yeah. someone who spends an awful lot of time honing their track and, and their running skills, but not the case. Well, yeah, yep. You know what? After. Uh, after Ed's conditioning program in football, um, really, that was enough running just about for anybody for the entire school year. I but, heard those uh, practices were pretty gruesome, <laughs> but they wouldn't fly these days. <laughs> they, we, we, it would not. Well, of course, see, nobody, I don't think, took water breaks back in the day. Nobody back when they did. thought that the mental toughness that would bring sure, was... Sure, sure. you got to get used to... Itself. Yes, you got to get used <laughs> to depriving yourself of fluids and all right. that. Yeah, you know, so... Uh, but anyway, we would do just the bare minimum. Ken Leonard was um, our track coach, junior and senior year. I really didn't give the 400 much thought. For me, that was like long distance. Well, I, I'm, and, uh, how tall were you in high school? How tall are you same now? Same now, about 5'5". Five, 5'5". Five. Five, five. Yeah. 100 meter, 200 meter, and especially the 400 meter, those mm -hmm. are sprints. Those are dominated by tall guys, like I yeah. said, especially the 400. It, nowadays, they kind of are, yeah. Mm -hmm. They get those long strides going, but... Uh, um, Ken talked about running the 400, and I thought, oh, my gosh, no way. So then he, he kind of talked me into it because he thought that we had a chance um, to um, win the conference as a team. And really, we did pretty good. Uh, as a team, we got second. Mm. Um, I think Todd, I mentioned Todd Reeser, I think he won the, the throws. I think uh, another great friend of mine, Jim Power, he placed in the mile. And Dan, I think he might, he, I think he won the pole vault. Dan Kronza did? Yeah, I think Dan wow. won the, the pole vault. And uh, so really, we placed pretty high in a lot of them. So. Well, very interesting. I, I would have yeah. died. To, I would love to have seen some video or some of you running because <laughs> you to win the 400 meter at 5'5", five five, that must have been a sight to see. Oh, I, I am sure it was a sight to see. You saw my hair back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it would, would have been definitely a sight. <laughs> do you think that making it to the state finals and losing your senior year in football, do you think that kind of lit a spark in you maybe to uh, pursue coaching? Or did you always know that you wanted to coach? I, I think I, I always knew, but I didn't know whether, you know, you always are, are thinking, well, am I going to be able to make a living at it? And mm -hmm. It, sometimes I think, uh, yeah, I, maybe I didn't get enough from playing. I don't know. But uh, 
I really was fortunate and because when I started coaching, I went year-round. I went year-round for quite a while. Luckily, my wife, Ellen, um, tolerated it. I don't know if she even gave her approval, but uh, <laughs> she just tolerated it. But teaching salaries were not that high back in the day, so you almost needed to, I felt that any way you can make an extra dollar, you, you did it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think really, rightfully so, teaching salaries have kind of gained some ground. So that is why, I, just a theory, no way of proving it. A lot of times you have difficulties with people on the faculty taking over some of the sports is because, you know, they, they make enough income that they don't have to worry about it, you know. So just a theory. Hmm. Okay, so you end up graduating, of course. We're just kind of going mm-hmm. in chronological order before yep. we dive into things. You went to Illinois State University, got yep. a degree in uh, PE, physical yep. education, yep. and then later on a master's in adapted physical education. Is that right? Right, right. Went one semester to Harper Junior College. Mm-hmm. Now, um, another kind of uh, a history lesson um, most people that are in tune with uh, high school athletics know the name of Ken Leonard um, and his son, Derek. Ken's Absolutely. at Sacred Heart Griffin. Derek's at Rochester. But uh, Ken Leonard was an assistant coach um, at Chenoa. He was a Chenoa High School graduate, came back, coached when I was a junior and senior. Really? And he hooked me up. He played up at Harper, which is in Palatine. And, and I played up there at Harper, and I'm thinking, you know, all right, I'm thinking uh, Chenoa, Illinois, this is a small-time, you know, college. This is just guys, you know, this is going to be just a little bit elevated high school. But when I get there, there's guys that uh, are looking to get go to four-year schools. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, uh, I was like, holy cow, we're not in Chenoa anymore. I yeah. mean, there were some... Um, you know, really, really big linemen. Uh, um, we had uh, one guy that um, I didn't know at the time. He played at Joliet Catholic. He played in the NFL for like five years, and uh, he was on our team. And it was it was uh, an experience. I ended up breaking my arm, and I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and get my degree. And like I said, I wasn't a great, great student. Uh, um, I didn't really take it seriously, so went to went to Harper, played football, really had a good experience there. Um, transferred to ISU, then I worked at Union Roofing for a year, mm. and then I went back to ISU. How do you wind up back in Chenoa then? Well, I, I think I I think I mentioned him. Bob Emery was the junior high track coach back in the day, and he was really knowledgeable. But uh, by fate, I don't know. Um, he resigned and he moved away. He was part. He was a PE teacher and uh, coached. I got a three quarters teaching position. I was assistant football head high school girls basketball, and they had dropped junior high track. So I think Gene uh, gave me by the end of the year. Gene gave me a couple hundred dollars to coach junior high track. I was oh. the only one. So we had about 60 
um, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I tell you what, that was chaos. Oh, it, it I was bet. chaos. It was great. I tell you what, we were good. What we year was good. this? Ooh, 87, 88, I believe. So I, I want to talk about your coaching credentials then that kind of happened in the late 80s through 2000. It was pretty impressive stuff. Everything you touched seemed to almost turn to gold, I would say. I think around 92, you coached a conference championship uh, girls basketball team. 96, you, of course, coached the um, Shinoa Redbirds high school state championship football team. Mm-hmm. I think 92 is when you also coached the boys junior high basketball team. And those were the yeah. same group of kids, weren't they? The sure. 92 basketball team, and the yeah. 96 football team. Oh, yeah. Second place junior high track team in the state mm-hmm. and a third junior high. Yep, yep. Uh, really, we got we got stuff. lucky, you know, and uh, got very lucky with some of the sprinters that we had back in the old Chinoa days. And Joe being one of them, Joe was a hurdler and a, a sprinter, and he had spring. Of course, when he was in yeah. high school, he got to the slam dunk finals. I've uh, heard that. I've yeah. heard that. I didn't mm-hmm. know if it was true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, I tell you what, I don't remember. He'd be able to tell you right away. But uh, when he was in sixth grade, we took him down to the – they used to have this uh, this track meet, um, and there was a – kid that from Bloomington that he might have played ultimately in the NBA if not he got a full ride somewhere in basketball and Joe beat him in everything the sprints and the long jump and holy cow yeah yeah Joe was Joe was tremendous and um, so yeah he was a good little athlete and then uh, had a great group of girls in basketball fantastic Mm -hmm. group of girls and uh I really thought my first year, in, I, and I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely no clue. Really? Absolutely you sure no about clue. that? Yeah, I feel ab- like you're kind of humble to the ab- point where it's altering uh, the story. Well, <laughs> we are brought to you by Forest Edge Tree Service. If you have trees or tree stumps on your property that you want gone, go nowhere else but Livingston County's premier tree service provider, Forest Edge Tree Service. This winter has been tough on all of our trees, and it's definitely caused tons of lasting damage. All it takes now is a little strong wind to lead to downed trees, limbs, and power lines, potentially resulting in massive damage to your homes, cars, and properties. Face it, your yard is no place for looming dead or damaged trees. It's just a matter of time before one comes down and whether by your choice or not. This is precisely why you need to be a responsible adult and hire the services of Forest Edge Tree Service. Simply give Joe Rudin a call or text at 815-615-3037 to get a free quote today and prevent the property damage, financial distress, and all the other bad stuff that comes with unplanned down trees. Take care of the problem before it's a problem. Forest Edge Tree Service is staffed with trained professionals who use cutting-edge equipment to get the job done right every time. But if somehow, by some one-in-a-million chance, something went wrong, they are fully insured, so hiring their services is truly risk-free. These experienced pros take pride in their attention to detail, in their cleanup, and in their relationships with customers, which is why they are Livingston County's premier tree service provider. Keep your family, pets, vehicles, and neighbors safe and save yourself a world of headaches when you call or text Forest Edge Tree Service at 815-615-3037 to get those dangerous, looming, dead, troublesome accidents waiting to happen off of your property. That's Forest Edge Tree Service. Call or text them at 815-615-3037. 
we we won some games, we lost some games, we learned. I thought the next year that we could win the, the conference, we got second, El Paso beat us. Then we won it the third year, won the county that third year. We had some really good players. Um, Terry Shiflett, Angie Stevens was our, our center. Wendy Cahey, who is married to Tim Bogar, who's the bench coach of the, the Nationals, was our point guard. And before that, we had uh, Jeannie Keegan. She was a forward. Um, and Karen Seaman. Um, she went to the Nationals, I think, from at Monmouth at uh, for the javelin a couple years wow so she was a she was a real good athlete she was she was strong strong what do you good think job. though because i i know that you're quick to give credit to the athletes which was a large part undoubtedly of these teams success what do you think that you applied though to these kids how do you think you coached that maybe helped the whole process as well oh i don't know it's kind of humbling you hear people say you know that you know, how much it is because of coaching. And I guess really what I, I don't know, maybe consistency, expectations, probably mm. nothing different than in the classroom that uh, if you have high expectations and consistently communicate that, even if they fall short, they're going to do pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like that second year of uh, coaching basketball, hey, we were gunning for conference championship. Well, we didn't quite get it. We got second. Mm -hmm. El Paso beat us a couple times, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um, you know, just trying to push people. And I think that was really what uh, what was ingrained in us back in Shanoa, junior high. Even if you didn't win, you always gave your best. Yeah. And you you have high aspirations, and you let the chips fall, mm -hmm. you know. One of my one of my favorite stories, when we were senior, of course, we got second, state runner-up. Mm -hmm. Along the way, our second playoff game was against Argena. Your last conference game was Friday. Mm -hmm. First playoff game was Wednesday. Your second playoff game was Saturday. <laughs> it's a crazy week. That's yeah, funny. in eight days, you're playing three <laughs> the games. The world was, yeah, man, They overworked these athletes a lot back in the day. So... You know, it was survival of the fittest. Yeah. And uh, the second playoff game, of course, we were told about this receiver that our Jenna had. Mm -hmm. And so when the, the call was made, I got to, I'd cover him up, not let him off the line of scrimmage. Back in the day, it was legal to cut, blocking, chop people. Oh, just so, dive at their shins type of thing? Dive at their shins. So I would, uh, I would um, kind of mix it up, and we had coverage behind me. So even if I missed, if I missed, somebody was backing me up for a deep throw, and really I, I was I I had the guy shut down. It was we didn't run it every play, passing situations, and you know Ed Ed's plan worked perfectly. Um, the guy whose name was, I think it was Scott Golden, who was a starting split end on U of I's Rose Bowl team. Wow. Yeah. And I, at the time, you know, they, they had us thinking that we could play with anyone. Yeah. And that was, to me, I guess just the middle part of it all, mm -hmm. 
we thought we could play with anybody. I love it. I, you know what? That is so powerful. The belief factor is yeah. is ultra powerful. And I oh, think yeah. what you were saying about the consistency, that's everything. I've there's you know, there's kids on the wrestling team this year that from the beginning, you know, their season looked they, they were looking uh less than good, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you just keep telling them, hey, you keep working hard. This stuff's going to pay off. You know, you're, oh, yeah. you're going to be right where you want to be. And you just keep telling, it, even though there's, telling them that, even though they don't see any sign of that being true. Consistency, all of a sudden they start turning the corner. And they say, hey, if he's still saying this, he must truly think that. Maybe I should start thinking that. Oh, I yeah. think the consistency, setting the bar here consistently and not ever saying, and eh, maybe you, maybe it's down here because I'm not seeing the results. Consistently setting the bar right here can be very, a very powerful thing as a coach. Well, I think so. And I tell you what, I think uh, probably Derek Leonard shows that down at Rochester more than anything. Mm-hmm. And he's got them he's got them believing and drinking the Kool-Aid and yeah. they believe, they truly believe they're confident enough that they can play with anyone. Yes. And that's why he keeps winning state titles down there. Mm-hmm. And I think that type of message, that type of philosophy sticks with kids too. So oh, they sure. go into college, they go into the business world, whatever. And they think, you know what? If there's a, a goal that they want to get to, they start to believe because they've been trained since a young age that they can, in fact, reach that. Sure. I think that's incredible. There, there's, there's really, I, you know what, some of the limits, and I even see that with my own kids, my own kids, the limits they put on the on themselves are just self-imposed mm-hmm. that they can do. And I, I don't want to, you know, put pressure any more pressure than they probably already feel. But, you know, the, the sky, it's it, their potential is just, uh, they can do it. And it's but that way with any of the kids. And that's why, you know, you hope they get prepared Mm-hmm. Um, for school, and um, I, I always say that uh, one of my philosophies of education is to try to get them to the point of reason before they do too much damage to themselves. You the know? point of reason. What do you mean by that? Well, that they they have they know their passion, they know their purpose, and they aren't so. I I've seen uh, people with let's say, uh, the potential to be a coach, and they decide, well, I'm going to do this. And then they start having kids, family, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit late for them to go back. Right. Or you get the other kid who um, might get themselves in trouble. And then after they get in trouble a little bit, and they're not that uh, student on the student track, they figure things out and they have to get a job and go to work. Yeah, at something that they might not like. Yeah, it's something that's going to be a job mm-hmm. rather than um, a calling or yes. a purpose. You know? So you, what do you try to do? You try to get, kind of get their head on straight, teach them that they're... I, you know what? Can... Gosh, I, I wish I had the answer mm-hmm. because there's so many of them, even, even now, uh, what Coach Quinn and I... We, uh, I'm making calls. I'm trying to get guys to get in the weight room, and yeah. uh, you better get in there before it gets too late. Yeah. You know, because the summer is going to be over, and now's the time to start building your strength. And mm-hmm. you know, weightlifting is great for building strength to improve performance, but it also 
kind of wards off injuries and that too. And Absolutely. you know, you don't want to uh, you don't want a season cut short, or the season, um, you know, not be as successful as they could have. So, you know, it never ends to say, "Hey, like to see you get in here," yeah, because of their potential. When we're talking about coaching philosophies and how you coach and everything, we are brought to you by Pope Joy Plumbing, Heating, Electric, and Geothermal. Pope Joy offers a full array of services that ensure that all of your home or business utilities will continue to operate at peak performance for many years to come. The Pope Joy name has been servicing commercial and residential customers throughout central Illinois since 1984, and they've earned a stellar reputation both in the community and online, boasting hundreds of five-star reviews on Google. At Popejoy, their elite-level team works hard to ensure that your homes and businesses remain comfortable, healthy, and energy-efficient 24-7, which is why their phone lines are always open 24-7 as well. Popejoy's comfort advisors and technicians also participate in ongoing factory-sponsored training classes all the time, so they understand the very latest installation and repair techniques. So for top quality plumbing, heating, electric, and geothermal services, call Popejoy at 815-496-5181. Popejoy Plumbing, Heating, Electric, and Geothermal. What I've found is that only one thing really annoys you when it comes to your athletes, and that's a lack of effort. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. true? And, and why I, I is would that? Say, I would say that mm-hmm. just because, you know, you start talking potential. I love the kid. I love the kid. I really do. Um, but last year, and I felt guilty about it, I really weighed into Cooper Palamore. <laughs> okay. And uh, I just, you know... He was just uh, wasn't getting all out of himself what he could, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I I really did get perturbed, and I apologized to him for doing that. But mm-hmm. um, I did feel bad. Um, but Cooper's heck of a competitor and tough, and this year he was. I mean, not that I really had anything to do with it, because I knew the potential of him. He was first team all conference. He was all state honorable mention, and I knew he had that potential. Yes. All he had to do, all he had to do, was just think about the game, and it was going to come to him because he had pretty good instincts and he had good size and he could move. So mm-hmm. I knew that was happening, but I knew that he was going to shortchange himself by um, just the lack of preparation. You know what? Practices get can be drudgery especially in football. It can be hot. It wasn't so much this year. It was the other way around. But uh, I, I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. Um, but there, and probably I give some mixed signals on when to shut that off a little bit, uh-huh. you know, but obviously right before when the ball snapped, it, it's, it's go time. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, that's... Uh, that's one case of what uh, probably an extreme, mm-hmm. extreme uh, um, reaction of, on my part. But, uh, yeah. but like I said, I love the kid, and um, you know he's he was one tough football player. I talked to a few of your former athletes, and um, one thing that they would say is that you were relatively calm 
most of the time, and you seem like you had <laughs> you had things under control. Uh, you and know they what? Knew you cared about them. Well, I knew they, I do care about them. I, I still care about them. But mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, the sometimes the calmness and the control is just an act. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you hey, know, it you works. could be. Uh, you know, it's it's like uh, you. I'm one that. Uh, Try to keep from short-circuiting in your brain, you know, what the situation is and what the best thing, what is the best thing to do with what they like to do or, and what we have, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you can work it out. I like to have things all kind of planned out beforehand, mentally, you know, what, what uh, we're going to do, but then you kind of get in, in the action and if something starts to work, you kind of go with it and then you got to be careful because people are going to adjust to that. So how long do you stay with something that is working? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned earlier, and if I probably had it to do again, I probably would not have the guts to do it. Um, the, the state championship that we won with, uh, it was the seventh grade boys. They were the, they were the group that uh, um, won the state football championship. Mm-hmm. We were in overtime. Um, Darren, Bu- Darren Bresner was, he was our stud. Darren was our stud. He was, he was about six foot, six one, seventh grader. He fouled out. We had a one point lead. I think it was Danny Butler, who was the quarterback of the state title team. Lives across the street from me now. <laughs> Good friend. Um, I think he made a free throw. And the, about tw- 10, 12 seconds left. The other team had the ball. We were up by one. First time we'd practiced it all year. First time we went zone all year. Just because I figured they were going to set a screen up up high. And uh, we got lucky and we got away with it. And we had somebody's hand and the guy shot and we won it. But it was a close game. It was tough. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um yeah, it's uh, you try to think of what might work at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was, uh, and that worked. Mm-hmm. So you've proven yourself to be, you know, a very admirable coach on the football field, basketball court, uh, on the track. But another place that you really seem to shine, where parents really, really appreciate you as well as students, is of course in administration, especially you know as a principal at Shanoa uh, Primary West. Parents say, and I talked to a few in preparation for this, you know, you're just so kind to the kids. You show that you care about these kids. You're ultra patient with them. And I just want to know, how do you how do you keep that patience and how do you enjoy your job when you're working with young children like that? Because let's face it, kids, they're great, of course, but they can be, especially if you have a hundred of them, they can be unpredictable, high energy, <laughs> wildly disrespectful sometimes, maybe even hurtful at times. How do you manage all that? How, how do you do you know good what? at your job? Um, I, think it, I think it does start with parents. Mm-hmm. And I've always told parents this, none of my old theories is, and they sometimes can't believe it, but generally the kids act much better in school than they do at home, you know. I so, if, that. yeah, if you're, whether you're in, in Walmart or church or something else and the kid's kind of cutting up, um, just be rest assured that uh, they do act much better at school. <laughs> and the, the teachers we have there are fantastic. 
they're fantastic. They're great teachers. I, I kid you not. Uh, um, and I feel very fortunate that I get to, I'm hoping to get to continue to help them next year. They're, they're great. They, they understand um, how to work with the kids, and they, they, they just keep them on kind of an even keel. Every once in a while, they'll ask me to um, um, help out with a, a student. So I might get the student. Sometimes I have to coax the student, go for a little bit of walk, let them calm mm-hmm. down, and just uh, bring them back in there. And uh, generally, that's been it. I think I think with my elder age, I think probably the kids kind of feel sorry for me too. So uh, <laughs> they, they don't they don't want to push me to to the limits too bad, you know. That's funny. But uh, when we first started going at uh, Primary West, and it's probably been about five years or so, um, everybody always has the mission and vision statements. And uh, really, and I felt this should be our, our top goal of our school is to get kids to enjoy going to school and like learning. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think after all this, for the most part, I mean, not everybody's taking a book home and studying, you know, until they, it's time to go to bed. But uh, yeah. they, the, with the teachers, they, they like getting there. They like being at school. And, um, you know, they, they look forward to the next day or the next year. You got to have fun. You got to enjoy school because that's a large chunk of these kids' lives. So if they don't enjoy it, guess oh, what? Oh, boy. They're not enjoying a I know huge it. part of their lives. And I that's know not it. Good. And if they, if they uh, um, are, you know, if they're kind of down on school in first grade, holy cow, they got a yeah. long way to go. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's, that's the toughness I, I see. And I've been at the high school level. And um, high school is very, very challenging because, you know, it's uh, some kids, they feel as though um, school isn't for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, the motivation really isn't there. And, well, you have to be a master psychologist just to try to reach them. Have you ever freaked out on one of those kids before? Have you ever lost your cool? Because kids are excellent at testing testing your mm. patience. We are brought to you by the Coffee Steamer. The Coffee Steamer is Livingston County's premier coffee joint. Their trailer in Fairbury boasts delicious and decadent coffee drinks, teas, and smoothies, while their full-service cafe in Forest has all that, plus tons of incredible baked goods, sandwiches, and salads. Life is too short to drink bad coffee, so head on over to the Coffee Steamer and start your mornings off right. That's the Coffee Steamer in Fairbury and Forest, Illinois. You know what? When they know that, I guess uh, it goes in various degrees, but they they kind of can tell if I'm starting to get perturbed. Some don't care, but uh, <laughs> you know, it just kind of yeah, okay. <laughs> so I usually don't get too worked up over it, just because I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seems it's all about self control on your end, right? Not like it, things... it gets there. Yeah, I guess that's part of it, and uh, and uh, just knowing that you kind of have to. 
I've always, it's worked for me, just for me, of not getting too excited about it and just uh, calling up the parent and say, this happened, yep. this is what we did. And I've never had a problem because I guess I've never really gone to the extreme, you know, when a, you know, kind of wavering off your question a little bit, mm. one of the things, one of the things that really, probably the biggest thing in education that has been, has changed, whether it's from the early days in Chinoa until now, attendance centers at Prairie Central is the whole idea of safety. And of course, we would start in August, and every door in the place was wide open, trying to get as much air in that airflow as possible. Mm-hmm. Of course, now everything is locked up as tight as possible. So there, there were times early administratively, if somebody was foolish enough to bring a, a pocket knife or something, you had to have some extreme measures, you know, and tell them, hey, you got to stay home for a while, mm-hmm. which... I, I guess is appropriate. Um, I've told several people this. I feel really fortunate. And I thought about this, especially towards the end. I feel very fortunate that my career administratively is done without any kind of uh, an incident yeah. like so many of these schools have. And, you know, I've got the um, police chief's number in my phone to to call but uh never fortunately it never had to you know it kind of goes it even goes a little bit beyond um the whether a kid brings a a, our little kids aren't going to bring a loaded gun to school Mm -hmm. but you never know if someone else it doesn't even have to be a parent it could be a, a person from anywhere they could pick out a school and come in from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I was, I felt uh, fortunate. The closer I got to the end, the more I kind of thought about it. You know, I went for years not really thinking, well, you know, we're in Chinoa, Illinois, not a whole lot's going to really happen here. But then the closer it got, I'm like, okay, just get get through this one here. We're yeah. almost to the end. And uh, so that, the whole safety factor there had to be some extreme consequences for some, especially early, mm-hmm. when uh, all these safety plans were having to be developed, and kids kind of knew that um, they shouldn't be bringing some of the things to school. Um, we had a situation one time when a, a kid, um, and it, it's good that I don't remember his name right now, mm-hmm. but... Uh, he had like stole a BB gun from Walmart the night before. Wow! And he was in junior high, and he brought it, and then had to get uh, suspended for, you know, or expelled mm-hmm. for a while. And uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, not a good thing. But it was, it was just right in the height of school safety and all the all the problems schools had. You know, people were. I think now, if you hear about a school shooting, mm-hmm. there isn't that it isn't that impact anymore of when it was when they first started happening. When they first started happening, it's like, 
holy cow, what are these people doing? Mm-hmm. Pretty extreme reactions and shock. And now it's like another one. Another one. And it's happening across the world. It's happening yeah. worldwide. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's too bad. But uh, the younger kids, they're, they're usually pretty polite, pretty respectful. They're, there's really not many um, issues with them. Mm-hmm. And and high school kids, like I said, high school kids, my dealings with high school kids lately have been on the football field, and generally they're motivated to be there. High school teachers have it, have it pretty tough, I think, at times, and uh, with the whole motivation and everything mm-hmm. else. So. so, Dan, we're getting towards the end of this whole conversation. I just want to wrap it up with a couple more questions for you. Firstly, what's one of your favorite memories from your whole teaching coaching and administrating career wow wow that's tough i know teaching coaching um easiest and and i'm not um i'm not making this up you know every day really i've been i told i told their teachers this i I feel like lou gehrig lou gehrig said i'm the luckiest man in the world that is me because every day just being around the kids is fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, um, you know, as far as w- the one point that kind of stands out, as as strange as it was, um, the uh, winning the state championship in football. All right, mm-hmm. that day, that day, of course, was was really pretty crazy. Uh, probably one of the only times um, you know you talk about being in the zone as an athlete. It was really kind of strange as being a zone as a coach, you know. And you mm-hmm. you think about some of these guys that, uh, um, like a Derek Leonard that does it year in year out. But um, it was really kind of that day. the The place got crowded, and it was after our game. You were so much focus on our game. It was like, <laughs> holy cow! You know where all these people come from? You know, and uh, and then it was it was kind of funny. Uh, I was with a friend of mine from Shinoa, and uh, the uh, we I checked the locker room after it was over, and everybody was gone. And there's the state trophy sitting there. Everybody was so worked up, <laughs> they left the state trophy sitting in there. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we got it on the bus. So. Mm-hmm. Man, that yeah. that must have been an incredible day. I just oh, shared that video. It was fun. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. The whole the video of the whole Shinoa. I, State I catch parts of it, and I'm like, oh gosh, that was that was funny. Yeah, yeah. huge crowd there. It uh, looked like ISU's. It was field. ISU. It was ISU's field. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was really kind of fun because um, I think my son was like in first or second grade, mm-hmm. so we got him on the field after it was over, and. Uh, you could see him like walking behind people, and like in the trophy presentation, you know, this <laughs> little kid all bundled up, and that was him, you know, kind of. You could see him in between bodies every once in a while. <laughs> Man, and uh, last question here, and it's kind of off topic of what we've been talking about, and it's anyone that knows you knows how dedicated you are and how involved you are to the community, especially in Shinoa. Uh, some people have called you Mr. Shinoa and the unofficial mayor. If, if someone drives through Shinoa, there's a high likelihood in the, in the early mornings, if someone drives through <laughs> Shinoa in the early mornings, there's a high likelihood that they'll see you out there picking up trash 
You know, quite often it seems like a lot of people <laughs> yeah, have seen you do that. I call it beautifying. <laughs> yeah. And then also you had a big, big part in the building of this library in Chinoa mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. So well, the, the whole education part, you know, is, and even for me and all the families, uh, we wanted a place, a facility that everybody could go into and accessibility with not only children who uh, may be in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. could not get into the, the old one, but hey, all the baby boomers are getting old. I mean, I'm pushing 60 now. Um, I'm not there yet, but I'm pushing it. And uh, had a hip replaced. And um, those stairs in the old building were hard to navigate. So we needed to, the old, the old library was, well, it was one of the first buildings that used to be an old church in Chinoa. Yeah. And um, it was not accessible. So we've got a facility, really, if taken care of, should last for generations. It looks beautiful, right. too. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. So it should last. And really, the, the sky is the limit for what people want to use it for. We've got a community room that people can make presentations. Groups can gather in that for, for different activities. So really, the awesome. they could do that. And yes, as far as uh, beautifying... I used to be a jogger. I used to run, mm-hmm. okay? And I was not very good at the long-distance stuff. Um, but, boy, I started it. I thought I did something to the muscles, but got a great, fantastic case of arthritis in my hip. Mm-hmm. So I had a hip replaced. I don't know how many years back it's been now, probably about seven or eight at least. So I started walking. Yeah. And... Because the doctor said no more running. And once I started walking, I mean, I'm like uh, looking around and it was just like, oh my God. You noticed gosh. all the trash. Yeah, people are throwing this and that out. And of course, it seems like every day on garbage day that it's windy. So like when the they they dump the garbage, yeah. uh, they uh, blows all over. So yes, that's... Uh, I, I beautify, try to beautify the streets when possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, well, so my question then is, why are you so dedicated to the community? Why are you so inclined to to help out Shinoa Prairie Central in any way that you can? Um, I don't know. I, I'd like to think, you know, and we were talking about this earlier and all the different, uh, um, different, uh, activities, whether it's growing up, we had a lot of pride in what we did. Um, I said, you know, not only was it about athletics, I never got involved in the plays or chorus and that, but the, the people that were good in that took pride in their performances too. It was, it, I felt it was kind of a Shinoa thing that what you did, you did your best. And obviously you kind of want the, you don't want the, the, the community looking like a landfill, you mm-hmm. know, and that's not good for anybody, whether somebody's looking to move there or for the people that uh, are living there. So I don't know. I think it's, you know, each day you try to give it your best shot and try to support and help as many people as you can. Mm-hmm. 
I know I started this off saying that you're about to retire, that you have officially retired from your principal position, but it seems like you're not quite done with your career at all. It seems like you're going to keep coaching, you're going to help out right. in Shinoa when you can. Right, and I think I that's what I would, uh, that's kind of what I look into the perfect word is, you know, just help, help the, uh, help the other people. Uh, I'm hoping to teach PE, and uh, but then I'm also hoping to help the, the teachers and, uh, you know, and helping with kids, whether it's read them a story or working with a couple kids who need a little bit of a boost. That's Love kind it. of a, that's kind of what uh, I'm looking forward to doing. Mm-hmm. Someone I asked about when I asked some people their opinions about you as a man, one person said one word selfless. And I think yeah. that's absolutely the case. seems yeah. like you're always wanting to help people and just yeah. do good in the world. Well, thanks. It, the whole, this whole th- um, you know, retirement thing has been very humbling, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, I don't know how worthy I am of all the the compliments. Um, just you know, the whole Shinoa try your best kind of a thing, and uh, um, you know, it's nice to be appreciated. And uh, I I hope to serve for many many years to come. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, on behalf of the thousands of young men and women that you've come to uh, have a great impact on in their lives, uh, thank you. And on behalf of me and everyone who's watching this episode, thank you very much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It has been fun. It has been. It's been a great experience. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Paul Garcia Show. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on YouTube or like us on Facebook. If you would like to contribute to the production of this show financially, you can do so by becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia or by donating on Venmo to The Paul Garcia Show. Until next Sunday, I'm Paul Garcia. Thanks for listening to The Paul Garcia Show. God bless and have a great week.